Ascension Day and its importance for today. There's a lot of implications from Ascension Day. When I've been asked by a Christian leader, why is there so much corruption and crime and violence in our society? Why is there so much immorality even in the church? Why are we seeing so many moral failures and scandals amongst leaders in business and every level of government and even in the church? My answer has been these are the inevitable consequences of the spirit of our age. Antinomianism, nomos law, anti, antinomos, hostility to God's law, the rejection of God's moral law inevitably leads to lawlessness, where every man does what is right in his own eyes. Egalitarianism, the rejection of authority, lack of respect for elders, produces a self-centered and selfish study. Egalitaire, from the French word, remember, liberté, egalité, fraternité, that was, or morte, liberty, fraternity, equality, or death. That was the slogan of the French Revolution. And uh, egalitaire comes from the French Revolution, that idea of egalitarianism, where there's no distinction between respect for women or respect for your elders or respect for your parents. It produced a very self-centered and titled generation. And evolutionism, with its denial of the creator, and therefore its denial of accountability to Almighty God on Judgment Day, this erodes the very foundations of Christian civilization. Foundational biblical truths are being ignored, and vital pillars of Christian civilization are being eroded. What we're seeing today are the inevitable outworkings of false doctrines which are being introduced and tolerated and accepted, and in many cases, even celebrated. One of the great problems of our age is the separating of salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Lord Jesus Christ alone who can save us. We cannot accept Jesus as your personal savior without submitting him to him as your Lord. Or you must accept Jesus is not good enough. That's the weakest words in the English or Afrikaans language. In the scripture we read about repent, take up your cross, deny yourself, forsake the world, follow me. You read words that suggest surrender, but this accept, it's such an anemic word. You can accept a lot of things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you love or follow or obey uh, what you accept. There's a lot of things we accept. So just say, do you accept Jesus? Find one Bible passage which asks people to accept Jesus. There's no evangelist in the book of Acts. Nowhere in the Gospels does Jesus say this. Nowhere in the epistles will you find any of the apostles speaking in an evangelistic context saying, accept Jesus. Surrender to him, give your life to him, take up your cross and follow him. But this business today that you can accept Jesus as Savior and reject him as Lord is nonsense. Those who preach a cheap grace and easy believism, it's easy to be saved. Just believe, just pray this prayer, just raise your hand, just come from. It's so easy to be a Christian. But where do you read that in the Bible? This is the way modern evangelists try to sell Jesus for less than 30 pieces of silver. It's not acceptable. It betrays an inadequate understanding of the problem of sin, the nature of God and Christ's mission on earth, and our purpose and calling as Christians. The Exodus is one of the premier Old Testament pictures of salvation. It would not have been 
sufficient for Moses to have proclaimed to the Hebrews who were slaves that they should accept that in Yahweh they have perfect freedom, yet leaving them in bondage and under the whip of slavery in Egypt. Now, some of those are spiritually free, but you're still in Egypt and you're still under the whip. You're still slaves. Anything less than deliverance from Egypt and freedom from the bondage of slavery would have been inadequate. I've heard some people saying they're saved, and sometimes flippantly I've said, from what? Because a lot of people use the term, but what have they been saved from? Now, some people know what they've been saved from. I was an alcoholic, and I've been delivered from alcoholism. I was a drug addict. I've been delivered from uh, being a drug addict. I was a thief. And now I've done restitution, and I work hard, and I don't steal anything. I was a liar, and I've repented of this, and now I speak the truth. People know what they've been delivered from frequently. As some people have got a radical test me, they know what they were converted from. And you ask Anthony Stunder, and he says, you know, he broke every commandment there was, and uh, he knows that he was a hell-deserving sinner. And those people know what they're saved from. So a lot of people today use the term saved, but they haven't been saved from much at all. God's eternal purposes required the people of Israel to survive the Passover, to leave Egypt, to cross the Red Sea, to be established as a free people in the Promised Land. Sin is serious. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's Isaiah 55. Compromise and cowardice always have catastrophic consequences. We can recognize the outworkings of the classic tactics of corrupt and conquer and confuse, divide and conquer. And a lot of our people are confused, corrupted, divided. And the truth does not change just because you don't want to hear the truth. All too many have been deceived, distracted, divided, and disarmed. There are those who are openly advocating the destruction of Christian civilization. Yet in the face of all these disastrous developments, particularly in the last year, the response of all too many Christian leaders has been compromise and cowardice. You can tell us the Christian, can't you? Obviously youth lead them. See, there's the cross. Ascension Day points to the solution to all these problems. Ascension Day deals with authority. Christ has gone into heaven and he is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. The trouble is today most Christians just want to stop at Christmas. Christmas celebrates the greatest gift of all, the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's right that it's the biggest holiday of the year. The incarnation of Christ when God took on human form, born Bethlehem, is very important. But many would prefer to think of Christ as the babe in the manger, rather than as the risen, ascended, sovereign Lord reigning on high, who's going to come to judge the living and dead. But look at the passage, that's the classic Christmas verse that is sung so wonderfully in Handel's Messiah, but which really encapsulates the message that most today would like to avoid. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Now, many like that you have a child is born. But they'd like to stop then edit out the government shall be upon his shoulders. Notice capital G, the government shall be upon his shoulder. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, this is a bit too intimidating. This is too threatening. This is too intrusive. It has implications for every area of life. We like a God of love and mercy who answers our prayers and who provides all our needs. However, we're not too comfortable with a holy God who sees everything, even the thoughts of a heart, and who's the eternal judge that we must give an account to. We live in a society where God's government is decapitalized and man's civil government is capitalized. Just look at how many people put a small G for gospel and a capital G for government. Now, how sick and distorted and upside down is that? We have people referring to the government, capital G. When they're referring to a civil government, a provincial, municipal, or national government, they don't deserve a capital G. They're not the government. They're the civil government. They might be the southern government, the Cape or Western Cape government, but they're not the government. God is the only one who determines whether you live and when you die. He is the one who governs the universe. He determines the seasons. God alone is all-knowing, everywhere present and all-powerful. I remember seeing a newspaper poster on the roads coming down here on one of the pillars saying, Farmers to see government over drought. I'm thinking, do they think the government's able to uh, end the drought or bring the rain? Uh, they're looking to the wrong people. Uh, the government or the national government or the civil government or the provincial government, they are not all powerful. They don't control, much as they would like to think, they don't control the weather. All human authority is limited. All human authority is delegated by God and is answerable to Almighty God. We will all have to bow before Christ and give an account of our lives and of every word ever spoken on the day of judgment. Each one of us has an appointment. This is an appointment not one of us will be able to miss. This is the one appointment not one of us will be able to be late for. It is appointed unto man once to die and after that to face judgment. Hebrews 9 verse 27, well worth memorizing you can use this in so many evangelistic contexts. Think of the people who believe in reincarnation. But Hebrews 9.27 says, appointed to man to die once. And after that's face judgment. This idea that I'm going to have a few reincarnation opportunities to sort things out before the day of judgment is false. Christmas is important. But the second most important holiday in the Christian calendar is Good Friday when we solemnly remember the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ, this great sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary. He suffered, he bled, he died for our sins, he endured the punishment that we deserve so that we could enjoy the rewards that only he deserves. This should inspire us afresh to repentance and to thanksgiving and to consecration because in view of God's mercies, we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. However, many Christians stop there. They worship Jesus as the suffering Savior. Roman Catholics have crucifixes depicting Christ's suffering on a cross. But we Protestants have tended to reject crucifixes because to us Christ is no longer suffering on the cross, 
We prefer a simple, plain, rugged cross because Christ is no longer on the cross. He is risen. He has ascended. He is victorious. He is King of kings. He's Lord of lords. He's reigning on high. He will come again to judge the living and dead. The third great Christian holiday event is Resurrection Sunday. This is a joyous celebration of the victory of Christ over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus Christ is risen from the grave. He is alive forevermore. Death is defeated. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Our Lord and Savior has been declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of Holiness by the resurrection from the dead. All the founders of religions are dead. You can visit the graves of Muhammad in Medina and Buddha and Confucius and Karl Marx and Lin. Interestingly, they'll charge you 10 pounds to see the grave of Karl Marx, who repeatedly was against capitalism. But how capitalist is that? Charging people 10 pounds to see his grave in England. And of course, Vladimir Lenin and a lot of people queue up to see this uh, taxidermist um, attempt to preserve the body of Vladimir Lenin, although mostly it's plaster of Paris waxworks. But in Jerusalem, there is an empty tomb. He is not here. He is risen, raised for justification. So it's absolutely vital that we also include Ascension Day and Pentecost Sunday into our Christian calendar. Most people just stop at Christmas, maybe Good Friday or Easter, but that's not good enough. You must have a faith and a discipleship that goes on to the Ascension and Pentecost. This is what is all too often missing. Forty days after Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate the Ascension of Christ into heaven. Now, it may interest you to know that 26 countries in the world still practice uh, Ascension Day as a public holiday, including Austria and Germany and Switzerland, Belgium, Netherlands, France, Norway, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, Faroe Islands, Iceland, Benin, there's um, Swaziland, Botswana, Namibia. So there's a lot of countries that still observe Ascension Day. Ascension Day used to be a public holiday in South Africa until 1994. they abolished it. Why would they abolish Ascension Day? He is alive forevermore. He is exalted. He is enthroned at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. He is above every other name, above every other authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we have an advocate in heaven. He hears our prayers. He will crush all his enemies. He will come again. Therefore, we must go and make disciples of all nations. Now, it's most significant that some governments, like the ANC, have seen fit to abolish the long-established Ascension Day as a public holiday. Because Ascension Day deals with authority. And this present government did not even want to accept a minute of silence before Parliament. Now, for 120-odd years, Cape Town's Parliament met in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, open in prayer every session until 1994. One of the first acts of Nelson Mandela's president was to abolish not only the prayer at the beginning of Parliament, but even a minute of silence. Kenneth Meshu specifically asked for a minute of silence. They would not even accept a minute of silence to pray to whoever they want because the idea that there could be a higher power than themselves is anathema to Marxists, atheists, secular humanists, and others. Ascension Day deals with authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, Jesus said. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and teach them obedience to all things I've commanded. And lo, I'll be with you for all time. The ascension proclaims the lordship of Christ over all areas of life. Jesus has all authority. He is lord over the world of business and sports and entertainment and government. Jesus Christ is lord over the schools and the shops and the cinemas and the factories and the hospitals and the law courts and parliament. There's no area of life that's outside of his authority. There's not a square millimeter of the planet or the universe that's outside the lordship of Christ. Every doctor, every teacher, every policeman, businessman, parliamentarian, every factory worker and farmer, mother or father, magistrate and Supreme Court judge, they will individually have to stand before mighty God in the day of judgment to give an account of their lives, and we will have to give an account of our lives. Supreme Court justice will be a bit horrified to discover they are not the Supreme Court judge. They're not the ultimate judge at all. And those people who think they're the most powerful man in the world, so think, president of this, that, and nope, not really. They're like dust and ashes. Just think of when Handel's Messiah is performed and the Hallelujah Chorus is given, how everyone stands. This is a tradition that began in the English-speaking world with King George II. When he heard the premiere of it, he stood. When the king stood, everyone had to stand. And he said, you cannot remain seated for the anthem of the King of Kings. And so throughout the English-speaking world, there's been a tradition. You stand for the Hallelujah Chorus in the Handel's Messiah. And Queen Victoria, when she was the empress of the largest empire the world had ever seen, one-fifth of the world's population land service was under her authority, the most powerful monarch in history. When she went to Handel's Messiah, and she's very old, the organizer said, please remain seated during the Hallelujah Chorus for your great age. No one will think any worse of you. Uh, she stood for the Hallelujah Chorus and she bowed for the whole of it because she knew that although her power on earth was immense, she has nothing before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In fact, Queen Victoria said to her chaplain, the greatest joy of my life would be if Jesus Christ would return to earth during my reign so I could hand the throne and the crown to whom it rightfully belongs. And many monarchs in Europe understood that they were only custodians, stewards, holding this throne that when Jesus returns, they to lay their crowns before his feet and he takes the place and in the, of the throne which belongs to him. Now, that's a Christian worldview and that's in the light of Ascension Day. The Ascension celebrates the vindication and the victory of Christ. No doubt the high priest Caiaphas and King Herod and the Roman governor Pontius no doubt they thought they were very important and very powerful people. Yet these religious and political leaders are only remembered today because they're arrogantly dismissed and unjustly condemned in the most outrageous travesty of justice ever, Jesus Christ. They did not recognize that they were condemning to death the creator, the giver of life, the eternal judge, the one before whom they would have to stand on a day of judgment. In Psalm 68 verse 18, you read that you have ascended on high, You've led captivity captive. Now, this is an allusion to the practice of the triumph. A Roman general or a Roman tribune returning from victorious battles overseas, he would, uh, and you might have seen it if you've watched the Ben-Hur film, there going in the procession with all the adoring masses, throwing flowers and all the rest, and he would have behind his chariot the 
soldiers, the chiefs, the kings that he has defeated in chains beyond. He's leading his captives in his train, showing this is, this is his triumph, showing he has defeated his enemies. Well, in a far greater way, our Lord Jesus Christ has led all of these who were his enemies on earth. They are some of his trophies of his victory, of his vindication, of his victory, of his triumph. Because he is the eternal judge. He is the conqueror. The Emperor Augustus, who issued the decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, requiring everyone to return to their town of birth. Awfully inconvenient. At that time, how could he realize that the baby born to third-class subjects in faraway Judea would one day judge him? How difficult for Mary to have to go while pregnant that long, difficult, dangerous, arduous journey to Bethlehem for the census. Well, how could Augustus have even imagined that one day that baby will be the judge that will judge him? The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Psalm 110 is one of the Messianic Psalms. It's one of the most quoted Psalms in the New Testament. Psalm 110 is quoted again and again. It's a great Messianic Psalm. The ascension proclaims the ultimate victory of Christ. Yes, the first time Jesus came to the world, he came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He came as a Savior. But the second time, he will not come as a Lamb. He will come as a Lion. He will come as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Conqueror, the Eternal Judge. And those who have not bowed the knee to the Lamb of God will bow the knee to the Lion of God. Those who refuse to bow to Christ as Savior and Lord today, in the day of grace, when forgiveness is freely available, they'll one day be forced to bow to Christ as the eternal judge when the day of grace is ended. It'll be too late for salvation, but every knee will bow, even the flames of hell. Psalm 110 goes on to say, He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. No wonder most governments in the world don't want to acknowledge Ascension Day as a public holiday. Because it's proclaiming the authority of Christ of all and his ultimate victory and the fact that everyone will have to give an account of him. No wonder there are many atheists and enemies of Christ and persecute the church who would rather ignore the truth of the Ascension. The question is not, will you bow to Christ? We need to remind people of this. The question is, when will you bow to Christ? Will you bow to Christ as Savior and Lord today? Or will you only bow to Christ as your judge on the day of judgment? Is Jesus your Savior or is he your judge? That's a question we can ask people. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You might know the hymn, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And that's the truth. There is no authority above that of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow before him. Compared to Christ, the kings in the presence of the world is nothing. And by the way, it's this truth that enables missions like ours to do the work that we do in the persecuted church. Because one of the first things people ask is, oh, how can you smuggle Bibles? Isn't that against the law? Well, it might be against the law of some communist or 
Islamic dictatorship. But their law is under God's law. Lex Rex, the law is king. The highest authority in the world is our Lord Jesus Christ. His great commission cannot be rescinded or amended by any human authority. And so I've had people condemning us because we smuggled Bibles into Angola or Mozambique or Sudan uh, when it was against the government's rules and legislation. They say, but you've got to obey the government. Well, just as you owe allegiance to your king, your king owes allegiance to the king of kings. And if your king is in rebellion to the king of kings, do not join him in his rebellion. Because he'll surely lose. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This includes King Herod, Caiaphas, and Pontius Pilate. This includes Caesar, Augustus, and Nero. This includes Muhammad, Karl Marx, Vladimir Lenin. And we could continue through a whole host of others. The Mao Tse Tungs and Mugabes and so on of this world. On several occasions while witnessing to Muslims, I've heard Muslims declare, I believe as Muhammad believes. They'll normally reply with, then you must become a Christian. They would say, but Muhammad didn't believe in Jesus. And I will say, no, he didn't then, but he does believe now. The ascension is a great comfort to believers who will suffer persecution. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. We have an advocate in heaven. He hears our prayers. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He will come again. He will crush all his enemies. Therefore, we should not fear popes or governments or councils. We must not bow before idols, nor may we compromise the essential principles of our faith. Through, Though Christ is physically absent from this world, yet through his Holy Spirit, he is spiritually present. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere present. He is all-powerful. He must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The ascension is a wonderful reminder and assurance to us that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The ascension proclaims Christ's glorious triumph and his future return on day of judgment. Therefore, we as Christians should return to observing Ascension Day as a holy day to our faith and applying its implications into every area of life. It doesn't matter what the government does. It doesn't matter what the UN says. It doesn't matter what the EU or the AU or anyone else has to say. We, as individuals, as families, as congregations, as ministries and movements and networks, we can observe Ascension Day. You can see how the Greek Orthodox, the Jewish people, and people of many different faiths, Muslims and Buddhists, Hindus, they observe their holy days without embarrassment. Why are Christians so quick to follow whatever the government says? It doesn't matter what the government says. The government isn't Christian anyway. We have got to determine our calendar, not by them. Who cares about Youth Day, Women's Day, Freedom Day, May Day, Wacker's Day, all these other things? Well, what does that mean? I mean, for what? Uh, for us, we've got Christian calendars, which is why we will observe Ascension Day, Reformation Day. We will observe those things that are important to our faith. Why should we let a bunch of 
cocaine-sniffing drug addict pagans tell us what we need to do and what's important to us or try to fill the minds of our children with their nonsense. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Ascension Day calls us to committed discipleship and consistent obedience. We need to take up a cross, we need to forsake the world, we need to follow Christ. Israel could not fulfill its calling by remaining in bondage in Egypt. Nor can we effectively serve God today if we remain conformed to this world in bondage to its sins and its idolatries, and dare I say, muzzled and masked and locked down. Attempting to accept the benefits of Jesus Christ as Savior while denying his authority as Lord over all areas of life is futile. Jesus is not a schizophrenic. You cannot separate the Savior from the Lord. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a package deal. He's not interested in being our magic genie popping up and saying, your wish is my command. I mean, that's the delusions of some people out there. But we have a Lord. And to use the words of C.S. Lewis in the Narnia series, he's not a tame lion. Uh, you can't tame God to have him do what you want, even though there's some televangelists out there who seem to think so. That is why we need to go beyond celebrating Christmas, worshipping the babe in the manger. We need to go beyond accepting the atonement for our sins and recognize that Jesus Christ is the risen, ascended, reigning on high, King of kings and Lord of lords. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you fear God? Jesus said we should not fear man, we should fear God. He can destroy both body and soul and hell forever. Fear him. We need to get first things first. And In fact, when we fear God, we can be freed from the rest. Do you know the reconnaissance commander, one reconnaissance commander, which was founded by Colonel Jan Breitenbach, their official history book's title is We Fear Naught But God. That's the correct attitude. If you fear God, then you can stand before any man. If we bow before Christ, we can stand before anyone. Have you surrendered to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the primary message of Ascension Day. Are you studying his word and seeking to faithfully apply biblical principles to all areas of life? Because he is Lord of all. Let us go back to the Bible for reformation and revival. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now this message and all the different messages of, of today's conference that we've held will be uploaded onto our www.frontlinemissionsa.org website. You look up under the video gallery and audio gallery and we will have the videos and audios there and there's even uh, on our SlideShare PowerPoints we'll put the PowerPoints such as this one too. So you'll be able to share these with others as well. Any questions, any comments on Ascension Day and the importance of the Ascension? Questions, comments? Yes. Realize how important it is to realize that Jesus came in the flesh as, as you had hired, and but he ascended and will come back mm. um, and we'll see as he is. Um, and, and to recognize that it's, it's not just some spiritual fuzzy, mm. I mean, that's Antichrist. And, uh, yes.
And just bear in mind that someone like the Apostle John, who was the disciple whom Jesus loved, the closest disciple to Jesus, the one who could feel comfortable leaning with his head on his shoulder during the Last Supper, when John the Apostle saw the risen Lord, as recorded in Revelation chapter 1, he fell on his face as a dead man. Now, that's John, who was comfortable walking with the Lord for many months, a couple of years on earth, during his earthly ministry. But when he sees the risen Lord, that's something else. So these arrogant back-chatters, who they, I want to ask God, when I get to heaven, I want to ask God this. Well, first of all, what makes them think they're going to get to heaven? But, <laughs> but the idea that they can be back-chatting God and demanding, I want to know how God could allow this. I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell of anyone back-chatting God with some sarcastic, snide, atheistic comments on Day of Judgment. Uh, in fact, the scripture says that the wicked will be calling for the mountains to fall on them to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. And so, who would prefer to be buried under an avalanche with a mountain falling on top of them uh, than to face the Lord? This is not gentle Jesus, meek and mild of some of the hymn writers. Uh, Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when he returns to this world, he will execute the heads of many nations. He will fill the place with dead bodies. These are passages like in Psalm 110. These are messianic prophecies. And this is part of what Ascension Day is teaching. Those people who are enemies of God now, who revel not just in killing babies, but in blasphemy and all sorts of things, and distorting everything good and pure, and celebrating ugliness and vileness, what will God do with them, with the unrepentant? We do not want to find ourselves enemies of God on the day of judgment or on the day when we die or the day that the Lord returns. We need to live in the face of God, recognizing that a holy God is evaluating us and one day everything will hang on what he says to us. Will we hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Or depart from you, cursed lake of fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, I never knew you. And those are two of the reactions that are given in Matthew 25. And it should put fear in us because, and that's how most Christians for most of the ages have thought of God. They have, while loving God, have feared him too, which is only right because of his power. You think of how people will fear, whether it's the school principal, the commanding officer in the army, uh, the boss in a work or uh, the president of a country or even the manager of a bank when they're going to ask for a loan. Uh, there's, that person's got a bit of power of you and there's a certain amount of respect and fear. Well, none of them are anything compared to God. And yet the way how so many people today don't fear God, throughout the ages, you would have said about all Christians they feared God. But now, most Christians don't even fear God. And they are trying to talk them into the fact that you know, God's not really a God of wrath and they don't know if there's really a, such a thing as hell. And they're all trying to talk themselves into this to try and justify a society in rebellion to God. But the fact is, you don't have to believe in gravity. It's still the law. You step off Table Mountain and so on, you know, gravity works. Uh, Heinrich can assure you how that sort of thing works. You, you want to be sure that you've got your parachute and you've got your sail and everything else because gravity is not just a good suggestion. Gravity is the law. And God's law is the law. Nobody breaks God's law as much as breaks themselves on God's law. So I think if the world only sees the church celebrating Christmas and Good Friday 
and Easter, they may miss the most important, which is God is the eternal judge. He is coming again. He hates sin. He's a holy God. He has all power. They need to know that. And so Ascension Day is super important. It's vital that churches get back to observing Ascension Day and proclaiming its message because this is missing, I think, from most pulpits, would you say? So, any other comments, observations? It's as Karl Marx said, new gods will have to be installed. They pull down old statues to put up their idols. They dismantle old Christian customs and traditions in order to insert new ones for their way. So what it is is blatant humanism. Instead of basing a calendar around God's festivals as in the Old Testament or as we see in the New Testament, then we see them trying to build it around Independence Day, or someplace the Queen's birthday. Uh, Independence Day, like 4th of July, that's super important, you know, or whatever it says, or Freedom Day and May Day. Uh, May Day is an occultic day in the, in the occultic calendar. Uh, Human Sacrifice Day is Halloween and, and um, uh, May Day. So you can see how there's an attempt today to bring in the blatant paganism. In America, they say they're trying to make Halloween bigger than Christmas. I don't think they've got a chance, but... That's the goal. And you can be sure they're trying to get to the point where nobody's even going to think about Christian issues. Back in the 1990s, there was already talk in Parliament under Cyril Ramposa to scrap Christmas, Good Friday, and Easter. And there was just such a revolt against it. In fact, our march to Parliament terrified them, but they, they backed off that. But they were talking in 1995, abolishing Easter, Christmas, Good Friday as public holidays. And, uh, uh, we uh, definitely um, uh, frightened them with uh, the biggest march that's ever been seen in Cape Town to that date outside Parliament, and Ramposa had to back down very quickly there. But this is the thing. If Christians aren't willing to stand up for these issues, we could lose them. Uh, even in the media the last couple of years, they keep on joking or putting out a narrative that Christians will be cancelled. Uh, it's like, it's like, that's like the last frontier for them. They're coming for yeah. Oh, they, they definitely, definitely want to, you can be sure. Yeah. Everything important and good will be under attack. If it isn't already, it's coming. Yes. Um, it's just by, I just want to make a comment. Um, I'm sure that I just have to mention that what you're saying is not that we're anti-government and we're not anti-black government also. I just wanted to be mentioned that um, at, there are so many black people that are real born-again believers and that also do not agree with the ungodly practices that the government are allow, is allowing and that what, what you're saying at this moment, it might appear to the undiscerning person as maybe not such a kind attitude towards the government that is uh, you know, of the day, but uh, actually that is, we, we are pro-government, but not against the government. We're not for the government that uh, stands against God's laws and that there are black people that actually disagree with what our black government is doing. Sorry to mention the word black. But well, I didn't mention race anywhere, and I don't think that's got any relevance. This is a red government, actually. 
they are as Marxist as they come, and you can see they are uh, rotten to the core. The middle letter of cancer is A and C, and a cancer is a cell that doesn't contribute to the health of the body, it breaks down the health of the body. And this is a cancer government, and rotten to the core. And you can see the, the people who were the controllers of Mandela and so on, Joe Slovo, communist Russian Jew, uh, Ronnie Kashuls, uh, these people. Uh, this is not race. It's, uh, they might want to depict it that way, but most of the victims have always been black. Uh, they are like that. But the worst governments in history, Soviet government in Russia, communist government in China, this isn't um, just picking on one race. All over the world, communism is uniformly anti-Christian. There's never been a system of godlessness as malevolent and as organized and aggressive as that uh, in communism. And uh, the Soviet Union in particular led the world in uh, the most bestial crimes. And uh, yet most of that's ignored uh, because the people that control our media right now are Marxists or, or they're fellow travelers and they love the Marxists, either way. Um, is it that I sometimes compare things symbolically to the Bible and biblical stories and in my mind, and one of them always reminds me of the Solomon deciding between the two women fighting over a baby. And it was obviously belonged to the one woman really, and she and the other woman obviously also just wanted the baby, like it's a you know coveting type of a, it's like stealing, right? And I feel that you know then that Solomon knew if he just says to them, right, I'm going to cut this baby in half. You know, obviously the baby's going to die, and the one that doesn't isn't the mother. It's not really going to care. Exactly. And that's how I feel. They are about our society that Christendom has created. Is even if they tear it down, down, as long as we can't be happy, it's just such a selfish. It's not even for uh, necessary for them to be in a stronger position. Sometimes, but I, I do feel that they are in a strong position because of the global financial control. But I just see this thing playing itself over and over again, where they. We've come to that point where they will destroy everything if they can't get their own way. Yes. And that's like them with the holidays. Well, you're not going to have your holidays. That's that. You know, it's a spiteful. It, it, it produces. They probably make profit off those holidays. Oh. They don't even care about that. It's like it's such an acidic sort of. Mm. It's been said that socialism is the gospel of envy, and it's a creed of failure, and uh, that's. Effect, but the uh, presentation we had earlier today by Doug McClure was so interesting. I've asked him to come and speak to us next week at Reformation Society and speak more. He's speaking about the Fourth World War that we're in right now, and uh, uh, what's going on behind. Me. I've always known he's very well connected in business and governments and the media, and uh, he comes with a fascinating history and background. So. Uh, next uh, Thursday night, you'll get some of the story behind what's going on in some of this new world disorder, as he put it. Those who, who didn't hear this morning the presentation, we'll have that up um, soon during this week too. But uh, he, he needed to have more time and we needed to be able to ask questions. I think it'll be a rip-roaring discussion next week. Any other comments, questions on Ascension Day? Yes. Um, um, I, I just want to say that it seems to me that the government is going in the direction of um, materialism is everything. So as long as the decisions can allow them to have allies, 
in other countries that even though they might not be um, for Christ and pro-Christian, um, as long as uh, their decisions and their policies please those countries so that they can have alliances and make money. So everything is about money in the end. Unfortunately, well, that's not what God... It's not all about money. Some of it may not even make any kind of economic sense, but there's malice and there's honestly satanic motivation behind a lot of it. And for example, those who haven't read the book or heard the presentation, we've got downstairs a summary uh, leaflet on the heart and soul of Karl Marx. And it's based on a book, uh, Marx and Satan, or was Marx a Satanist as an earlier title. And this is the thing, communism is satanic. And you can even see how they've made May Day, which is an occultic human sacrifice day as the uh, biggest holiday of the year. And it's, it's, it's an occultic, satanic thing. There's a lot of Satanism involved in communism. But anyway, uh, we can see their hostility coming out.